From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Fair. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Well, Bud, uh, <laughs> meteorological fall as of today, <laughs> September 1st, when uh, this podcast gets posted so we're moving right through the seasons aren't we it's unbelievable i tell you what it's been kind of a wild week here in lincoln too it has um we had earlier this week the petitions turned in by the save our schools uh group about what one hundred and seventeen thousand signatures i think was the number um but not, those now go through and have to be what validated uh, yeah verified. there's there's quite a process so uh, they turned in, uh, it was a roughly 117,000 signatures, and now the Secretary of State has the job of distributing those petitions uh, to the counties. And then the county election officials have to go through and verify, you know, does this is this person a registered voter here? Is this their signature? All those kind of things. So that's quite a process. I, I'm guessing that'll probably take about four to six weeks, so... We'll know sometime, I would say, probably around October. Um, you know, that number is, is uh, interesting because it looks like they'll have enough to put it on the ballot. However, I uh, uh, I don't think they're going to have enough to suspend the law. So there, there's certain thresholds they have to meet. I think it's 5% to get it on the ballot and then... Uh, 10% to suspend the law until the vote. So it doesn't look like they'll have the, the number to suspend the law, but um, but there, it will be on the ballot most likely based on the number they turned in. I could see it on the ballot in 2024. That'll be the general ballot. The general election. So we'll have a presidential election, two U.S. senators, a member of Congress, a bunch of legislative districts, and this will be one of the petitions. And I know there's uh, some others that are kind of circulating out there that we'll find out more about. One of the guests that we've had on the Lincoln Business Beat, State Senator Luann Linehan, uh, put out a release. The governor also talked about it, but I think you uh, saw the uh, Senator Linehan's response uh, when this news broke. Yeah, Senator Linehan, you know, she was on Lincoln Business Beat here, what, a month or a month and a half ago, uh, kind of talking about what the law was that the legislature had passed. And and I thought her uh, her response was pretty, pretty spot on from what we've heard from her. And what she said was the teachers union and their allies want to double down on their efforts to take opportunity away from vulnerable kids, including kids from low-income families and kids trying to escape bullying. And that's a fight she's willing to take on. So um, I know Senator Linehan's been a huge ed- education advocate since she got in the legislature in this school choice issue. So um, I and I whenever Senator Linehan says I'm ready to take on the fight, I do never I never underestimate um, the power, the tenacity and the uh, the strength that Senator Linehan uh, has to, to do that. She really uh, went through the Opportunity Scholarship Act, how it was how it came about, what it does, and if you really want to uh, learn the nitty-gritty, because she was involved in, in crafting it and working it through the uh, Unicaramel, go back to that uh, podcast that we had with her because she really 
goes deep on that Opportunity Scholarship Act. Very much so. Um, and Senator Linehan has been around this issue for a long time, and so she's a she's a great voice to learn more about what this law is and how it works. One other uh, word that I saw, and it was in one of, uh, I don't recall exactly which story, but uh, somebody referred to this as a school voucher program, and, and I had to correct uh, the people I was talking with. This is not a voucher program. This is a tax credit if you donate to the uh, um, scholarship programs of well, private and, schools. I mean, that's different than school vouchers. Yeah, I mean, uh, essentially a voucher is if I send my kid to a private school, I can uh, credit back what I pay in property taxes to the local school district, which, based on their budget, I'd love to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but But this is a program where actually there has to be a 501c3 foundation set up which is a charitable foundation, donors can give to that, and then they get a tax credit based on that. And the total tax credits in this program is $25 million a year. That's for the state. That's for the entire state. And so it's got to be a separate entity. That entity has to grant the scholarships. There's a whole process that Senator Linehan talked about. So I think that's the important thing because um, I have heard a lot on social media and other things where – uh, the the Save Our Schools group, primarily the Nebraska State Education Association, the teachers union, is calling it a voucher program. And so I think that's one of the big things, hopefully our, our folks will understand, the difference between that voucher and, and what this law really does. And that's that foundation that will grant scholarships uh, to these uh, low-income students and, and students that are trying to escape bullying. Yeah, there's quite a. Uh, that was the part that I had not fully understood until uh, Senator Linehan joined us, and and the requirements for getting these scholarships very targeted to the low income and uh, bullied students. And and I believe, if I remember correct, Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Le- Senator Linehan said this isn't for existing students. This is for new students to pursue. Uh, school choice. I believe that's correct. Yes. So, I mean, it's... I'll have to go back and listen to that podcast yeah, again. I, I was going to do that before we recorded today, and I didn't get the time. But um, but I think it's important for people to understand, and now that it's going to be on the ballot, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot about this between now and November of 2024, which doesn't seems like far, far away, but it's really not that far away. But when you start hearing all the ads related to school choice, I'm guessing you'll wish it was November 2024 already. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit because on uh, the Lincoln Business Beat and in the news, we've uh, talked about the Lincoln uh, City budget. Uh, Earlier, I think it was early summer, we talked about the new agreement with the Lincoln Police Union on making Lincoln police uh, some of the highest paid in the state. So we've we've talked a lot about uh, the pay in, in Lincoln, and we've got a couple of contracts that are being negotiated now. And we also heard earlier, or midsummer, about this six-week paid uh, leave that city employees uh, are being granted in uh, their, I guess, employment, not, not really agreement, but in what have you. But uh, unions didn't necessarily get that, and you've uh, done a little bit of uh, digging on this, and it's uh, kind of a sticky subject. Well, it's it's really, well, first of all, I think I'm going to lead with this, Mark, I think it's somewhere between 90 and 95% of city employees are actually union employees. So, you know, you think of all the people that work at LTU and different things like that. Primarily what I would say 
anecdotally, please don't quote this as gospel, but generally speaking, department directors, cabinet members are the ones that are not protected by the union, uh, but most of the rest of the employees in the city are protected by various different unions. And so in March, the city and you know the mayor were uh, touting how they were going to have a paid parental leave program to help new parents and contribute which to contribute to the healthy child development and help the city of Lincoln use this as a recruiting tool. When 95% of your employees are union employees though, that what we found was that didn't necessarily apply to the unions. And so through this process, what we've found out is in the past, when things like this would change, there'd be an agreement, there'd be a meeting between uh, city hall, the mayor's office or whomever and the union, and they would say, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is an added benefit for city employees. You guys good with it? And, and there would be an agreement, yeah, that would be fine. Um, but they're not doing that right now. They have not done that, and they're in the middle of some contract negotiations, which are uh, with the, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, the Public Association of Government Employees, which represents street maintenance, technical, and clerical employees, and the Lincoln Firefighters Union. Um, so they're in the middle of these negotiations, and there's there's some there's some tension in the negotiation is the best way I can describe it. Um, and for <clears throat> the firefighters, um, they've really been talking about cost of living increases related to pensions, and then some shift change rules related to paramedics. Um, because all the fire employees right now work 24, 24 hour shifts. And I think what they're trying to figure out is can we switch those shifts with our paramedics, maybe to help us as a recruitment tool? Um, and then with the Association of Government Employees, the impasse is largely about pay. However, the fact that the mayor and the city have touted what a great paid parental leave program we're now going to have for our city employees. They haven't worked with the unions to include this or to, to implement this. They're making them use it as part of their collective bargaining. I haven't heard yet, but to me, there might be a lawsuit that comes out of this. Because if you're giving it to some city employees but forcing others to do it through collective bargaining, I wonder if you'll see some of the unions maybe uh, kind of push back on that. So I'm really disappointed in the implementation of this because I don't understand how you say, okay, this group of employees, this starts on X date. And all of the rest of you who are protected by the union or operate under a union agreement, you have to bring this to collective bargaining when that has not been how the city has operated for quite a long time. And so I hope that the mayor's office figures this one out. Um, Because to me, it seems like a discriminatory practice towards one group of employees over another. What surprises me is that there wasn't a clarification of how many people, and I guess being a member of the news media, I probably could ask ask the question at the time, but 
how many people, how many employees does this parental uh, leave cover? And it just made it sound like it was just best things that, that they were able to uh, put forward. From what I can gather, um, you know, that 90, 95% of folks that are uh, protected or part of the union have to use it as a collective bargaining piece, which I just, I don't know how you force them to do that. It's just stupid because you're offering it. It's for your city employees. You stood up, you had a big press conference, you had a big photo op. Oh, we're doing paid parental leave. Great. That's great for employees. But when you're doing it for such a small amount of your employees and you're forcing the other ones into that, I just, I think that's a big problem. And I think that's a morale problem. And quite frankly, it's a PR problem, which the mayor can't really afford these days. Some of these uh, agreements end very soon. Yeah, they're they're coming to an end. So um, one thing in Nebraska is they can't strike. So because of the Council on Industrial Relations. So I think some of this is going to go through that and. They're probably going to have to get them involved. So that'll be something we'll have to continue to dig in. What happens if they don't get to an agreement by their uh, by the end of the current agreement and see how that's going to move forward? Yeah, and there's one other uh, issue that I understand the paramedics, especially in their agreement, uh, they're wanting to get uh, in their um, assignments uh, kind of a home station. Right now they uh, can be subject to uh, being assigned to one station, one shift, and a completely different one, and, and that's uh, a working issue for some of the paramedics. So. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. You have your firefighters in the on the engines and the trucks that are assigned to a station. Now, if they fill in for somebody, they might move around the city, but, um, but that makes sense because I think that builds some camaraderie within the station, within the shifts, and all of that kind of thing. So um, we'll just have to see where this plays out, but like I said, I think it's a a bad PR game for the leader of the city when they can't afford any more bad PR than they've had the last couple of weeks. There's some PR for the city, uh, less for the state, but uh, public relations, uh, major issues uh, the past couple of weeks after the state announced a new prison site. And then we find out that it's not going to be there after all. And that's going to be our deep dive in our next segment. Yeah, we're going to go into that a little bit more because a lot's changed in a week. <laughs> you know, from one week to the next, a lot has changed, and 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 the prison is going to move to a new site. And so we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that. And I think that delves into some of the PR problems that I mentioned on this uh, contract negotiation and the paid parental leave part. Actually, it happened within a couple of days, uh, from Monday to Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll do that in our deep dive. We'll discuss. The update on the new state penitentiary. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate effect on the success of a programs. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska has always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Back on the Lincoln Business Beat, a new prison. The legislature uh, allocated some money for a new prison. The current penitentiary is over 150 years old. But locating that new prison became quite an issue in the last couple of weeks after Governor Pillen and the Department of Corrections Director um, Director Jeffries announced uh, 
The new prison site would be at 112th and Adams. They did that about uh, 10, 12 days ago. Immediately uh, brought up a lot of uh, discussion. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit last week, Mark, and and the legislature had appropriated the a final about $96 million here in this session um, to kind of fulfill the funding. And so there's been there's been ongoing over the last over year um, looking at sites and trying to determine sites. And then we had change of governors in January. So, uh, you know, Governor Ricketts kind of handed that handed that baton off to Governor Pillen. Um, and they went out and they, they they looked at some sites and as you'll remember last week they announced that site over there on what 102nd to 112th and Adams or something like that a, a plot up there and <clears throat> there was a lot of discussion about being close to neighborhoods being close to schools all of those kind of things and so there the folks in Northeast Lincoln I will tell you were fired up to say the least, about this. Um, they were concerned about it going there. Why would you put it in a developing area? Why are you putting it so close to some neighborhoods and some schools and all these other kinds of things? But, you know, really what what it did was um, it brought a group of people together. And, and it wasn't just people in Northeast Lincoln that were opposed to this prison. It was people all over our city and, and in that location because they felt like there might be some locations in different places. But as you'll recall last week, we talked about how it was reported in the paper by that the mayor's chief of staff was quoted saying um, the governor's or the, the governor's office basically came to us and said they want to locate a prison in Lincoln. And we said we weren't interested. Now I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's the general tone. And so and the 112th and Adams is actually in the County. Yeah. So. And the 112th and Adams is in the County. Um, but the city had some property that the state was interested in, and the city just said, no thanks, um, which, you know, kind of raised some issues with with me from the perspective of there's about 500 jobs out at the prison. And if we move the prison outside of this area, what happens to those people? What happens to all those houses? I mean, there's there's a domino effect that I think uh, could happen, but... Um, this whole thing ter- took a little turn this week. It did. On Monday, the Nebraska Broadcasters Association monthly call-in show with the governor was on, and uh, I happened to uh, host that, if you will, with the governor. And right off the top, we discussed it. I said, is this decision firm and final? And he, you know, I'll paraphrase it. it was, uh, he said, that's our site. We're starting. We're going to start break ground next in in the fall of 2024. Um, said that they had had discussions with us. He basically confirmed what uh, you have just said. And we had callers that were concerned about it. And he said, "I understand, but we've worked with the city on a couple of alternative locations. As a matter of fact, uh, our preferred location was not this site." Yeah, and, and that, and and we also found out uh, through this whole course of events that whoever at the city, whether it was the mayor's office or whatever the administration that was dealing with and talking with the governor and his crew and the Department of Corrections, um, they had had several conversations and had gotten nowhere. So that kind of started things, and then it kind of really became an issue at Monday's city council meeting with the public comment period. 
Yeah, I mean, and and there were several people that called in on the governor's call-in show that want to talk about that. Um, and and actually, I I don't know, I don't remember who all called, but I talked to some folks and I said, well, there's the Nebraska Broadcasters Association governor's call-in show. <laughs> go find, you know, go call in if you want to ask the governor those questions because th- that that was the thing. Everybody was like, wait a minute, how did we get to this location? Why is it this location and why is it located here? And as you said, Mark, it became that wasn't the preferred location. That was a secondary location. Basically, it was it was not the first choice. Let's just say that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure that uh, it, there wasn't even a secondary. I don't know this for a fact, but I think there may have been another location within the city even that would have been a second choice. But yeah. When when the city basically said, no, we're not selling your land. We don't want it in the city. Uh, the state went ahead and moved forward. Well, and then at the city council meeting this week, um, there were several people that came. So this happened to be the timing of this all is really impeccable, if you want to. I mean, sometimes you can't line it up this good. But what happened was uh, several of those people. So Monday night was the open comment night, which means you can come and you can talk on any topic. Well, as you might imagine, some of those same folks, I said, look, go go talk to your city council. It's open mic night. You know, go in, talk to them, and try to implore them to encourage the city to come back to the table and have this conversation, you know. Um, and so people were feeling pretty slighted by the city. And, uh, in fact, uh, there were people that were calling me earlier this week saying, who do we call to find out how do we recall the mayor? And I said, well, you need to call the election commission and talk to them about that. So people were people were very angry. And I think that came out uh, at the city council meeting as well. I had not heard that. So Yeah. So um, so there's a little bit of that rumbling going on. Um, but then all of a sudden, was it Tuesday night? There was an announcement that the governor and the mayor were having a press conference on Wednesday. It was in the five o'clock hour. Uh, middle of the five o'clock hour when the news release was hit that it would be a noon news conference at the corrections uh, headquarters, central office. Yeah. And that took place on Wednesday. Yeah. So, so less than 48 hours after the governor addressed the citizens of Nebraska. Well, and I, I think it's, you know, this ties into that PR problem that we talked about, but um, I'm glad that the people spoke up and I'm glad the city actually came back to the table. And I think they were getting a lot of pressure from a lot of directions. I imagine that the mayor's office was getting pressure from citizens. Um, I'm imagining they were getting pressure from city council members, other elected officials. It wasn't just city council members that were hot about this. It was county board members. It was state senators. I mean, you know, in those areas. And so I think there was a lot of pressure being applied. Um, The people showed up. They came back. They came back to the table. They changed the location, which is going to be just north of the interstate uh, between 70th and 84th Street. And it'll be essentially it'll be between the interstate and the solar farm that Elliot or not solar, the wind, uh, the, the generation, the plant. generation plant they have uh, just north of the interstate there. So um, it, it's it's out by the dump. And so it's not in a developing area. It's not near housing. It's not near schools and those kind of things. What I think addressed uh, several of those uh, issues that people are bringing up. So the thing that I 
when I listened to that press conference this week with the governor and the mayor, this was my takeaway, one of my takeaways. Um, But one of my takeaways was, on a regular basis, my catchphrase is, decisions are made by those who show up. And it's our duty as citizens, when we disagree with something, to engage with our government. Like, that's... That's what our country and that's what, what that's what our country is founded on, and that's what we are about. So I was very proud to see that that people were were uh, were doing that. Um, sometimes people get upset and they become Facebook warriors. And yes, there's a Facebook group about the opposed to the prison up there. And I I I somebody invited me to join. I was reading all the comments, and but it wasn't just let's sit here on Facebook and complain and and be mad. It was we're we're calling the governor's call-in show. We're showing up at the city council bill m- meeting. We're going to speak. You know, I talked to several people who said, I can't make it to the city council meeting. I got a something with my kids or I've got a previous commitment, but I emailed the city council. I called my state senator. I called my council representative. That's a big deal. It makes a difference. And I think this is a perfect time to use that example to people that when you do show up, you can have an impact. Now, you're not going to get your way every time, but but it's really a, a, a I really attribute it to that uh, people showing up. And, and I think it was good. One of the things that you and I've talked about over the last week or two, Mark, about this whole issue is people just need to know, like, what was the process? How did we get here? Like, there was none of that. And now there that it's out there. You know, we, we found out that this, they, they had several conversations with the city. The city shut the door, and they had to figure it out, and that's what they did. And so I'm proud of the people of Lincoln that showed up. I really am. I mean— Proud of those that showed up and those that also communicated. Yeah. Uh, because that's showing up just in a different little format. So Yeah, but, I mean, you know, hey, if you can't be there, make a phone call, send an email, all those kind of things. Um but I still have some questions in my mind about this whole process and everything that happened. And my first one would be, why was the city not interested in dealing with the state, basically? I mean, that's kind of the impression we got from the first news reports. And then that kind of became the impression that we got when the governor spoke about it. And so I, I just I'm curious as to why they just shut down that conversation. And I think it's time for, you know, at the end of the day, the mayor was elected to be the leader of the city. And, and I think she needs to stand up and answer some of those tough questions, although I don't think she has the courage to. Um, but I think she needs to ask why they refused the preferred site in the first place. But now all of a sudden it's a good idea. Is it because of the PR problem that you had? <laughs> was it because, you know, I mean... What was it that flipped that switch that made you wake up and say, hey, we're actually going to deal with the state and figure this out? And, and the other thing that, that concerns me is, did they not consider the fact that there are 500 people employed in Lincoln, Nebraska at that prison? And with the bigger facility, they're going to have to hire more, which means more employees, when you have more employees, that's more money being spent in your city. That's more tax dollars being spent. That's more people buying houses and groceries and shoes and clothes for their kids and all those kind of things, doing things in our entertainment areas. Those are opportunities for our city. 
And if we really care about economic development and, you know, then we would be having those conversations. And, you know, one of the quotes that really struck me, and I think I might have mentioned this last week on the podcast, was the city said they weren't going to give up any of their sites because they were worried about growth. But if they were really worried about growth, you'd think they'd, they'd be talking about more of those things. So I think it's time for the people of Lincoln to hear from the mayor. I mean, she really needs to step up and explain these things. And you might start that process with your uh, council because they uh, they have the ability to uh, put a little more uh, pressure into the uh, mayor to answer some of these questions. Well, and I think that's, I mean, after I the council what, meeting. Yeah, I think that's what happened. In this I'm one. pretty sure the people in the mayor's office were watching and they saw the problem. I'm pretty sure council members were contacting the mayor's office. And so all of those things can have an impact. But, you know, I mean, the mayor's been pretty mute on it, to be honest. Well, they're going to have uh, 305 acres of Lancaster County farmland that will now be in their uh, ownership that they'll be able to direct into either uh, more housing development or some other type of development. Um, and it's certainly, uh, you know, it's a growth area as we head towards ultimately an East Beltway as well. So. Well, and I think that's ultimately, in my mind, the biggest contributing factor to continue to grow on that east side of Lincoln is the East Beltway. We get that East Beltway, and it's going to continue to encourage that growth. And and that's why we at LIBA have been hammering that home over the last 18 months. Now that we got the South Beltway open, it's time to start talking about the East Beltway because that's going to help us continue that growth from, you know, I mean, it's about to about 98th Street-ish north of O now to keep moving to the east with development, with housing and you know, all retail and commercial and industrial, like all of those things open up, especially with a new beltway. And and especially because, as I understand it, city infrastructure is going to be easier to, to get to that part of uh, developing areas than even some of the south beltway. Yeah. And so there, there's a great opportunity for our city. And, and that's the forward thinking that we hope that our leaders at City Hall are thinking about. So it's it's great. Congratulations. Tip of the hat to the people of Lincoln that that called, emailed, you know, made their voices be heard, not just sitting in a Facebook group and, and, you know, spewing their venom, so to speak, but actually getting out there and having the conversations. I'm, I'm proud. I was just blown away at how fast this all happened. Yes, and usually, Mark, the, the anecdote is nothing, nothing fast happened, nothing in government happens fast, um, but this certainly did, so... When we when we have those conversations and we talk to our elected officials, we can make a difference. Let's take a quick look at the calendar. I know we've got some things coming up. Uh, just uh, have a, having the uh, Liba Golf Tournament. Yeah, the Liba Golf Tournament's going to be uh, September 1st, the day our podcast comes out, which will be raising money for scholarships. Uh, go to September 14th, we'll be having BizNet. September 19th is going to be our uh, monthly luncheon, and September 26th is our Coffee and Contact. So, uh, ready or not, here we go. And oh, by the way, don't forget probably one of the, a couple of important things. First of all, I got to give a shout out to the University of Nebraska and the people uh, that put on volleyball night in Nebraska. World record. Well, but here's the cool thing. Uh, so I did. I've been reading on this. So it's the largest crowd to ever see a women's college volleyball game. It's the largest crowd to see a women's sporting event in the United States. It's the largest 
crowd to see a women's sporting event in the world, and it's the largest crowd ever in Memorial Stadium, and it belongs to the Nebraska volleyball team. Congratulations to Coach Cook and all those guys. That was it was phenomenal to watch. I get chills thinking about it. And then the uh, next most important date, Mark Vale, is September sixteenth. The Big Red is going to be playing football in Lincoln, and downtown is going to be hopping, and I can't wait to see that for our local businesses. Yep, and if you'd like to hear something uh, on the Lincoln Business Beat, there's an easy way to get a hold of Bud. Email is the best. It's bud at liba.org, L-I-B-A, for Lincoln Independent Business Association, or the website. Yep, Liba.org, or you can call our office, 402-466-3419. We always welcome input from our listeners on what we can do to provide great information. And, of course, we do ask you to, if you would, uh, to take this podcast and share it on your social media and uh, mention it to your friends and other business colleagues. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and the community about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes.